The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm Philly hello. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now a part of the Houston Family Podcast. And we've got a great podcast for you. So in the second segment, we are going to be heading out and talking to Phillies with Alex Carr. He does a great job over there at Sports Illustrated's coverage of the Philadelphia Phillies with Inside the Phillies as part of the Fan Nation Network. And we're going to be chatting with him about not just Philadelphia, but also the NL East race in general, all the injuries that we've seen with regards to the New York Mets rotation. Also going to be taking a little bit of a look at this series as well. Aaron Supernola, how all the starting pitchers have been able to perform and also the injury of Bryce Harper as well. So we're going to be chatting with Alex in the second segment and then in the final segment. Going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. If you got one or two ways, we'll fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe it does not matter. Size so per usual, please do send these into the timeline and the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. Then from there, airable fire and whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast, find that five star review. Did wind up having some rainouts, but really no questions with regards to what we wound up having today. But we did wind up seeing some great baseball on Friday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Milwaukee Brewers wind up taking down the Washington Nationals by a count of 7-0. Sticking with that NLE theme. And, well, for the Nationals, it did not go well on offense. As Eric Flower, seven scoreless settings. Devin Williams, Aaron Ash. They come in and give you scoreless 
eighth and ninth innings with things really getting opened up in the eighth inning as the Brewers put up a five spot thanks to Tyro Taylor being able to get a three-run jack his second home run season. Rowdy Tellez earlier in the game is ninth off of Eric Fetty Wapu. Takes a loss after giving up that home run. Two runs in total over the course of five and two-thirds innings. Victor Arano and out of the bullpen. Awesome both though. You got one out and he gave up five runs all of which were earned. Paulo Espino gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen and Carl Edwards Jr. was able to give you a scoreless inning but Nothing doing for the Nationals, who are now 13-27. and 27. That is not necessarily too terrific. This was not terrific for myself, as the DK Nation pick was on the Chicago Cubs, and they're now 6-14 and 14 at home. 10-6, to 6, the Arizona Diamondbacks win this game by going yards seven times. You wound up having Josh Rojas, who had zero home runs coming into this game, go deep, not once, not twice, but three times. Twice off of Kyle Hendricks, once off of Michael Givens. Alec Thomas, he would get his third home run season. That came off of Daniel Norris. Christian Walker gets his 10th home run season. David Peralta gets home runs number 6 and 7 of the season. Both of those come off of Kyle Hendricks, who gave up four bombs in total, seven runs over the course of five innings. From there, Daniel Norris gives up home run in his one inning of work. Michael Givens, he gives up a home run in his one inning of work. Robbie Gizelman gives up a home run in his two innings of work. As the Cubs, they got four home runs themselves. Wind was blowing out, and boy, it was not stopping a thing. Oh, yeah. Vargas gets his first home run season. You wind up getting the second home run season for center fielder Christopher Morell. Second home run season for Jonathan Villar. And Patrick Wisdom goes deep for home run number seven as you had Humberto Casianos give up two of those three runs in total, giving up in five and a third innings. Caleb Smith gave up the other two, giving up two runs in one and a third innings. But Boye Ramirez gives you four outs out of the bullpen and Sean Poppin winds up giving up a run in an inning. The St. Louis Cardinals out there in the central, they get it done against the poopy Pittsburgh Pirates by a count of 5-3 to three as Wayno, a very good start, gives up one solo home run over the course of seven innings. Michael Chavis gets his fourth home run season. From there, Genesis Cabrera does wind up giving up two runs, one of which was earned in one and a third innings But Giovanni Gallegos. A five-out save, punching out five in the process, looked very dominant. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Case in which Zach Thompson wound up being a tough luck loser, giving up one run over the course of five innings because the bullpen from there did not do their job. Anthony Banda, Heath Embry, both got one out, both gave up two runs. Tyler Beatty, Chris Ryan, both give you a scoreless inning. And J.C. Young, one in the third inning scoreless, but another rough one for the Pittsburgh Pirates as the offense certainly has been floundering for this bunch. They have now scored three runs of fear in every one of their last eight games. So, it certainly has been a while since the Pirates have been able to make some good contact in a game. The Atlanta Braves, they're looking to be able to get back to 500. They took a step in the right direction. 5-3, to three, they take down the Miami Marlins as Trevor Rogers. His rough year continues. Gives up five runs, including three home runs over the course of four innings. Going deep off of him. Marcelo Zuna's eighth home run season. Dan C. Swanson, his fifth home run. And then Travis Arnaud, his fourth. From there, the bullpen was solid. Lewis had three scoreless things. That was a buck 29 ERA. Dylan Flores, Stephen Oker, a scoreless inning. And you did wind up having Ode Solaire go deep in this one. Eighth home run season. That comes off of Mr. Charlie Morton, who winds up giving up all three runs over the course of five and a third innings. Bullpen from there was rock solid. A.J. Minter, Spencer Strider, Will Smith, I'll give you a scoreless inning, and Colin McHugh, pair of outs out of the bullpen to be able to get that one done. The L.A. Dodgers. We're going to talk about this team a little bit later on. They take down the Philadelphia Phillies by kind of four to one, and the Phillies' lone run winds up coming in the ninth inning off of a GT Riamito hit, but 
for the Dodgers. Uli Ordias would like to see him go a little bit longer in this one, just 80 pitches, but five scoreless innings. Yancey Almonte, Alex Vesia combined for two scoreless innings. You do wind up having Evan Phillips give you a scoreless setting before Bill, Phil Bickford gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, giving up a run before Craig Kimbrell comes in and gets a save. For the Dodgers, they did wind up stranding 10 men on base, but they did just enough to be able to get the job done as Ranger Suarez only winds up going three innings. 84 pitches in those three innings, giving up three runs. Honestly, was lucky to not give up more. You did wind up having an unearned run given up by Andrew Bellotti in his inning of work, and then Jersich Familia score a sunning, and James Norwood and Nick Nelson, pair of guys that have been a little bit up and down in the bullpen, two scoreless out of them. Wound up having a game go to 13 innings between the Tampa Bay Rays and the Baltimore Orioles, and it was the Orioles that got the job done as they were able to put up three runs in the seventh inning to be able to get to extras as Jalen Beek served as the opener and a very good open, two scoreless innings here on Yarborough as a bulk guy. Once again, relatively solid now. Evaded a lot of danger, gave up six hits over the course of four innings, but only two runs, one of which was earned. He was hurt by his own fielding error, but then from there, Brooks Raley, J.P. Fireisen, they could buy for a scoreless inning. Jason Adam, Colin Pooch, they both give you a scoreless inning, but then Matt Weisler wound up coming in. He gave up two runs, one of which was earned. Ryan Thompson, one unearned run in extra innings with the Ghost Runner, and then Ralph Garza Jr., Serves up the walk-off home run to Runet Odor. His second home run season has been a little bit of a rough year for him, so that was big for him. And for the Baltimore Orioles, Tyler Wells, not necessarily the start he was looking for, giving up three runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings, including home run to Mike Zanino, his fourth of the season. But for the Rays, they also went 6-23 with Ben in scoring position as he did wind up having one and two-thirds innings scoreless out of the bullpen from Logan Gillespie. Keegan Aiken goes two and a third innings. He winds up giving up not a thing. Brian Baker, two runs, one of which was earned, giving up in two-thirds of an inning. But then from there, Dylan Tate scoreless innings. Cianella Perez, pair of outs out of the bullpen. And two scoreless innings and extras from Nick Vespi in his MLB debut. So the Orioles, 16 and 24 is not great, but certainly a little bit better than what the poopy Baltimore Orioles do wind up doing. The Cincinnati Reds wind up losing a one-run game for the first time in quite a while. A lot of their games have either been wins or one-run losses, and they're actually 8-5 and five in their last 13 overall, but they lose this one by kind of 2-1 to one as Luis Castillo Solid start. Two runs given up over the course of six innings. Under Circle and Art Warren, they both give you a score of setting, but the Cincinnati Reds overtrain seems to be coming to a little bit of a halt as they have now played four out of their last five games under the total as you did wind up having a very dominant performance from Hunjin Ryu in this one. Six scoreless innings, did a lot of six hits, but they were able to strand him on. Ryan Baruki gives up a run in a third of an inning before Yimi Garcia, Jordan Romano, both give you a scoreless inning. Romano is 13th save and Adam Simber. Pair of outs out of the bullpen. So the Blue Jays have now actually scored three runs or fewer themselves in six out of their last eight games, but they did just enough to be able to get the job done. Tariq Skubal had to leave his start against the Guardians early because he took a line drive off the leg, and that wound up being the difference. 6-1 the final. The Guardians get the job done. For Skubal, he was looking very solid in this one. Five scoreless innings removed after those 66 pitches, and then Jacob Barnes comes in to relieve him, gives up four runs in an inning, including a deep shot to Mr. Jose Ramirez. Ramirez winds up getting his ninth home run season. Now leads the league with 37 RBI, by the way. You did wind up having two runs given up in a one and a third innings from Jason Foley before you do get a pair of outs out of the bullpen from Drew Carlton. And for the Guardians, very solid start here from Aaron Savall. You figured there would be a little bit of positive regression. Six out of third innings, one unearned run off of his own fielding error. I still think that these pitchers should be held accountable in some form or fashion for those, but still, I digress. Angel De Los Santos, five outs out of the bullpen, and Emmanuel Class A gives you a scoreless inning as well as the Detroit Tigers now. 13 and 26 on the season, and 
They have been held to approximately one run in three straight games. And you're taking a look at it. They have scored three runs or fewer in all but three of their games this month. Boy. It is not going well for that offense. It's going a little bit better for the offense of the Boston Red Sox. The last two games as Trevor Story, another big one. It was Story time as 7-3. The Red Sox get the W for Story. His fourth home run in the last two games. And he has in this time span 11 RBI. Sixth of the season that comes off of Robbie Range. And then Jackie Bradley Jr. will go deep off of Anthony Michevich. His first home run season for Michevich. Winds up giving up that home run while getting just one out of the bullpen. Diego Casillo gives up two runs and two-thirds for nine. Now rocking a nine ERA. Penn Murphy is a 0.73 ERA. Scoreless ending off him. But Robbie Ray, the reigning AL Cy Young Award winner gives up that home run to Story. Four runs in total over the course of six innings. Has not been a good year from Abraham Toro. Did wind up going deep in, in this one off of Michael Waka, who wound up making his first start since coming off the injured list. Sixth of the season as Waka gives up two runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings. And moment of brightness here for the Boston Red Sox bullpen. Jake Diekman, Matt Strand both give you a scoreless inning. John Schreiber. He winds up giving up a run out of the bullpen, but it was an unearned run due to a fielding error. And then Austin Davis, four outs out of the bullpen. So the Red Sox, all of a sudden, have been able to catch a little bit of fire here as this is a bunch out all of a sudden. They've been able to win four out of their last five, and I believe now seven out of their last ten. So they're starting to string a couple wins together. The Oakland A's were able to string along a win. Four to two, they take down the LA Angels as in this one, you wound up having the young gun in Chase Silseth get the start. Gives up three runs in four and a third innings, including a pair of home runs going deep for the Oakland A's. Jed Lowry, the ancient one, his second home run season, and Seth Brown is fourth from there. Bullpen was not too bad. You did have Kyle Bearclaw come in, give up a one run in one and two thirds innings, and Jimmy Hergett. He got three scoreless innings, but not a lot doing for the Angels on offense, as you did wind up having Paul Blackburn walk the plank, give up two runs in four and two thirds innings, but an A's bullpen that's in the top ten in terms of ERA, they came through. Zach Jackson, four outside the bullpen, AJ Puck, Danny Jimenez, Sam Maul, all are able to give you a scoreless setting for the A's to be able to get it done. And for the Angels, all of a sudden, this has been a team that has been teeter-tottering just a little bit as they have now lost four straight games. So, something to keep a little bit of an eye on. Got to keep an eye on those Walker Texas Rangers as well. 3-0. to They wind up taking down the Houston Astros as the Astros nothing doing against Martin Perez. Perez does wind up giving up eight hits in this one, but just one walk was able to complete the game himself as for the Texas Rangers, all they needed was a little bit out of Cole Calhoun. Got his sixth home run season off of one. Christian Javier. Well, I'll call him a tough luck loser. Punches out nine and six innings. Gives up that solo home run and really nothing else. He did have Rafael Montero give up two runs out of the bullpen in two-thirds of an inning. Was hurt by his own throwing error, which once again, got to be finding a way to be able to hold these pitchers accountable for these, but I digress. You do wind up having Phil Mayton give one out of the bullpen, not giving up anything. Ryan Stanek, Blake Taylor, both give you a scroll of setting as well, and because those runs were unearned, Astros still have, I believe, the number one bullpen in terms of ERA, but for the Astros, absolutely nada. From their offense on this night, you did wind up getting quite a bit on offense from the Minnesota Twins. So they take down the Kansas City Royals by a count of six of four as for the Twinkies. No home runs, but they go three of 11 with men in scoring position as they were able to get to Daniel Lynch. Three and two-thirds innings, giving up four runs, all of which were earned. Dylan Coleman gets a pair of outs out of the bullpen, but gives up two runs in the process because he walked through. Joe Payamps, two and a third innings scoreless. You did wind up having 
Matt Peacock come in and he gets one and a third innings. That's a name you haven't heard in a while. And Foster Griffin was able to come in for a scoreless inning and did have a pair of home runs for the Royals as he did wind up having Carlos Santana, who, boy, he has had a rough go of it ever since the All-Star break last season. Get his second home run season. And then also being able to notch home run number two on the season, Emmanuel Rivera's. Rivera winds up going deep off of Emilio Pagan. What else is new? Pagan, it was a Pagan off of him. Actually a 2-1-3 ERA, but gives up a solo home run in his inning of work. Ty Duffy gave up the other home run, giving up two runs in just a third of an inning as Devin Spelzer. Very good start. Five and a third innings, giving up one run. Griffin Jacks, Yoan Duran. They combined to give you seven outs without allowing a single run out of the bullpen. And then you wound up having extra innings out there in the Bay Area. The San Diego Padres were able to get the job done out there as Sean Manan, not necessarily the start that he was looking for, winds up giving up four runs over the course of six innings, including a pair of jacks to Darren Ruff, his second and third of the season. From there, you did wind up having Nabel Crisman and Tim Okamai for two scoreless innings. Luis Garcia, a rough one. He gives up two runs over the course of his inning of work, and those came in the bottom of the ninth to four extra innings before you had Robert Suarez be able to close the door in the 10th inning and for the San Diego Padres. Jake Cronenworth does wind up going deep in this one-third of the season. That comes off the start of Jacob Junis, who got chilled a little bit in this one, giving up four runs over the course of six innings, and then he did wind up having two runs in an inning given up by Tyler Rogers before John Breba is able to give you a scoreless inning. Zach Liddell, Jose Alvarez, they combine for a scoreless inning, and then Camilio Duvall in the 10th inning gives up the ghost runner and another run for the Padres to be able to get it done. And if you're just taking a look at Major League Baseball in general and what we've all been seeing recently, seeing a little bit of a reversal to overs a bit more recently, though it still has been quite a bit of an underseason. If you take a look at Major League Baseball to this point, we have seen right around 54% of games wind up going under the total. 295 unders to 251 overs overall for the season. And favorites, they've been having a relatively good run of things. 346 and 231 straight up, so hitting at 60%. But with that said, with regards to the favorites among their 346 straight up win, they have failed to cover the run line in now 94 instances. So that has been a little bit of an issue, especially home favorites who are 218 and 149, actually hitting a little bit less than away favorites. And away favorites, they're 128 and 82, winning 61% of the time. And with away favorites among those 128 wins, they've been able to cover the run line 105 times. Meanwhile, home favorites, they've won 218 times. They have covered the run line just 149 times. So I do think that that is very fascinating. I did mention that we have been seeing a couple more overs recently. You take a look at the last seven days, and the over is 42 and 48. So we've seen a little bit of regression here in the last, I would say, three to four days, but so that's right around 46.5% to the over. So it has been very interesting to take a look at these totals all season long, and it's going to be interesting all season long to take a look at both the National League East and the Philadelphia Phillies. So joining me to help out with that, we call in someone from Sports Illustrated, a man that is doing a great job covering the Phillies in Alex Carr. He does a great job over there with Inside the Phillies, and we're going to go Inside the Phillies and the National League East with him next, right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Jay Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. A lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. 
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. 
I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And it is great to be joined by our guests. Alex Carr is doing great work out there in the great state of Pennsylvania as he is taking a look at the Philadelphia Phillies for at Phillies SI that is inside the Phillies. That is a little bit of part of Fan Nation at Sports Illustrated. And Alex does a great job taking a look at the game of baseball in general. As you can tell by the name, he does a great job taking a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, but really doing a great job of being able to keep tabs on a little bit of everything in general and to be able to follow Alex on Twitter. That is at Alex Carr with two R's on the end of Carr and then the word MLB altogether. And Alex, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you. Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the kind words. Appreciate you. I appreciate you, my friend. And Alex, it certainly has been a little bit of a topsy-turvy season for the Philadelphia Phillies as we're <laughs> doing this. We don't know how the game for Friday wound up going with Rangers Juarez getting the start for the Philadelphia Phillies. But what have you made out of everything? Because just from someone who really doesn't have a rooting interest either way, I take a look at it from a little bit more of a betting perspective. Big thing for me, always with the Philadelphia Phillies is a bullpen. Just from watching them this year, that has been my biggest gripe for them. I don't know if you see anything different, but it feels like it's sort of the same song and dance for me, just not being able to trust in that Phillies bullpen. <laughs> yeah, I think topsy-turvy is a good way to pin it down. It's interesting. It seems as though every time the lineup kind of starts to figure it out, the pitching kind of starts slipping a little bit, and then vice versa. When the pitching is really good, the lineup starts to kind of shut down. We saw that this week with the Padres. Eight runs allowed in the series as a whole for both teams. The Phillies were shut out twice, and the Padres were shut out once. And there were only eight runs scored between the two teams, so... It kind of gives you a little glimpse into what the Phillies season has been like thus far. But all in all, 
they're getting some pretty good production out of most of the guys that you would like to get production from. I mean, Bryce Harper has been absolutely unreal. Unfortunately, he is sidelined at the moment. He just got a PRP injection in his UCL. Hopefully things go okay. I mean, he's been sitting for four days now. It's quite hard to say what is keeping him out of the lineup at the moment could just be general soreness. Who knows? Or maybe that injury is a little worse than the Phillies have let on. Who's to say? But also, you know, you look at guys like Nick Castellanos. He's been really consistent all year, starting to struggle a little bit. But, you know, for the most part, getting what you'd like to out of him. As far as guys that are struggling on the Phillies side of things, I mean, Kyle Schwarber, JT Realmuto, and Reese Hoskins all have had pretty slow starts to the year and hopefully that is a precursor for what is going to be a really hot second half but in this first quarter of the year it has not been great goings for them that being said the rotation has been absolutely outstanding if i'm not a betting man myself but if you're going to go out there and take any bets on the phillies rotation certainly do that they are far superseding the expectations that many had set for them for me coming into the season it looked like a strong point of the team and it certainly has been uh i mean they have been really 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 good through the first like 25 games of the season it's one of the lowest team eras they've ever had so it's pretty solid like you mentioned the the bullpen definitely not a strong point of the team per se but definitely hasn't been that awful i feel like the two losses the walk-off versus the dodgers obviously was a painful one and then the seven to one lead against the mets was just a disaster class. You know, aside from those two losses, bullpen hasn't been that bad. They've gotten surprising contributions from guys like Andrew Bellotti, Connor Brogdon, who was their best reliever in 2021, finally has returned to form after a stint in AAA. Corey Knable has been has been pretty good as the closer. The one guy that everybody's really taken issue with is Jerry's Familia, who oh. uh, the Phillies signed to a, yeah, I believe it was a one-year $6 million deal. His velocity's down. He just hasn't looked great. He's looked very hittable, and he's not locating the ball when he really needs to be. So it's unfortunate. They mentioned preseason that they they saw some things in his delivery that they could clean up, but it hasn't quite shown yet. So there are some goods, there are some bads, but they're still trying to find the time where they're clicking on all cylinders. I have no doubt that that time will come. It's obviously on paper a very good roster. So I think it's just a waiting game at this point, unfortunately. Definitely wish they could have taken a hotter start to the season, but here we are. Yep, certainly, and... It is always a little bit rough when you do wind up having some guys with some truncated spring trainings as well as we do have Alex Carr joining me on the podcast because you mentioned the starting rotation and we're not going to see him in this Dodgers series unless we wind up seeing a little bit of a flipper Rooney with things. But Zach Wheeler, I think it's exhibit A because I mean, his first, we're going to call it three starts of the season, did not look like himself. And I don't pin that necessarily on Zach Wheeler because he wound up dealing with a few injuries. He wound up getting a little bit of a late start. And you could tell that he just was not 100% going into the season. Last four starts, though, he's given up a combined three runs to your point of the rotation being very good. I mean, this is a Zach Wheeler that we all know and love. And I think that that's been very big for the Philadelphia Phillies as well, because though we're not going to be seeing Wheeler this weekend, Aaron Nola's been able to pick it up after he wound up having a few rough starts to begin the season, and I'm sure you know as much as I do, a little bit of a different guy when he's in Philadelphia rather than when he's on the road as well, but I take a look at some of these guys for the Phillies, and it felt like with regards to starting rotation, a lot of these guys wound up being thrown off a little bit, took them a start or two, 
But now that they've been able to just get their feet wet and get things underneath them, even the guy in Zach Eflin who found himself on the COVID IM, him being able to come back a few days ago and looking sharp should see him in the back half of this series against the Dodgers as well. They've certainly been able to do their part. Yeah, I mean, it was really, coming into the season, things looked surprisingly good for the Phillies starting rotation. Zach Eflin wasn't slated to be back until like June or July prior to the start to the season. Ranger Suarez was having visa issues and Zach Wheeler, obviously after a hefty workload in 2021, was taking a little bit slower to ramp up. But then all of a sudden, you know, Ranger Suarez got to spring training in Florida. Uh, Zach Eflin was being cleared to, you know, start throwing and then was was getting in games. And Zach Wheeler, you know, he was finally getting ready to gear up for his first couple spring training starts. And then due to weather, Zach Wheeler didn't get a spring training start in. You know, Ranger Suarez still was taking some time to get himself together. And, and Zach Eflin obviously just spent, I think it was six days on the COVID IL. So it feels like uh, these little roadblocks keep popping up. But all in all, it feels like everybody is back to where they needed to be. And it took them a little bit, but, you know, better late than never, I suppose. It's really, really interesting, especially to watch, like you mentioned, guys like Aaron Nola and Kyle Gibson. They kind of had to pick it up in the first part of the season and and they certainly did Kyle Gibson especially was outstanding in the first part of the season and but now he's kind of taken a step back but that's what you'd expect from a fifth starter Aaron Ola on the other hand has just given the Phillies innings innings and more innings which is really what you want from from one of your more stable starting pitchers in the rotation so they have looked strong it's really been quite impressive and I'm very excited about that because at the very least, all you can ask for when you're when you're a team with a bullpen that is less reliable, all you can ask for is that your starting pitchers keep you in the game. They certainly do that job. Yep, they certainly have been able to. And I don't think that there's a lot of question with regards to starting rotation. I think it's fair to say there's still some questions with regards to bullpen. But you brought up something that I think is the biggest question at this point for the Phillies, and that's Bryce Harper, because you mentioned it going into Friday. We hadn't seen him in a little bit under a week or so. He does wind up having that injury in his elbow. And from the sounds of it, it sounds like he's going to be able to return, but he's going to be used as a designated hitter. If this were last year, he'd probably be on the shelf for quite a while because the guy just can't wind up playing the field at this point with that injury. Seems like it's something that is not going to be able to hamper his hitting too much, but seems like it's going to hamper his throwing for quite a while. I was hearing until about the all-star break, give or take a little bit. Is that sort of what you've been hearing as well? Utilize Bryce Harper at the DH spot really until we wind up getting into those later summer months? Yeah, that's what they've been doing for a couple weeks now, and it seems as though they're going to have to wait until at least, yeah, around early August until he's ready to come back and throw. It's unfortunate because, you know, even though he's not known for stellar defense in the outfield, the guy's got a cannon of an arm. You know, he's always one that can help you out with an outfield assist here or there. But, you know, it's a good thing, I guess, that they signed, you know, two very strong bat outfielders, I suppose, to kind of take his place in the lineup, even though their gloves leave a little to be desired, but... You know, that's for another day. It seems early August is is when you should expect Bryce Harper back out in the field. Hopefully, should all go well. Until then, yeah, he'll be the designated hitter. And I mean, as far as affecting his hitting, I was someone who kind of thought that seems like something that would significantly affect your swing. Even though, you know, there's not a lot of elbows involved. It just seems like something that, because this is a game of minor adjustments, right? Baseball is just full of those. And anything being off would throw you off your game a little bit, but not for Bryce Harper. I mean, the guy has been absolutely scorching throughout the entirety of the year. I think it was the first nine games he was lacking a little bit, and now he's just absolutely on fire. Hopefully, these last, I believe it's been three or four games that he's been unavailable. Hopefully, that won't cool him down. 
Yeah, I'm Bryce Harper, the reigning MVP, has been able to do a tremendous job at the plate whenever he's been out there. And I think that we both agree the Phillies not going to be ranked number one in defense anytime soon, <laughs> even if they do wind up having Bryce Harper towards the back half of the season. But certainly they are going to be able to pick that up with the bat as we do have Alex Carr joining me on the podcast. Does a great job. Take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies for the Sports Illustrated family of networks over there. And Alex, when it comes down to the National League East right now, as we know, the Mets, they are currently the number one team. Going into what we wound up seeing on Friday, they wound up having a seven-game lead. And I personally am a little bit more willing to buy into the Mets this year than in past years, just due to the fact that that guy by the name of Brody Van Wagenen is not there. That by itself <laughs> is a little bit of an upgrade for the New York Mets, just having him out. I think you got to give a little bit of credence there, but... I still feel like there are a few question marks with this Mets team. I take a look at them, and I do think that they should be the favorites in the National League East as things stand right now in the middle of May. But I still take a look at this Mets team, and I think that there is something to an organization that year in and year out, they just wind up coming up short after the All-Star break. And I don't know about you, but I'm still sort of in the camp that I need to see it to believe it a little bit more post-All-Star break. I think that this year is a little bit different than in past years, but I still do have a couple question marks, especially with all the injuries that they've got with the guards' rotation. Yeah, I think it's interesting because we've talked a lot about in the baseball universe, the deadened baseball is helping some teams and, and hurting many others. And, you know, you look at a team like the Cleveland Guardians, right? Have their ranking, you know, among some of the top categories in baseball. And that offense isn't exactly, you know, one that you would look at and say, uh, I don't know about that. But they're playing a lot of small ball. What I've seen with this Mets team that I honestly really like and that fits this particular year year is that they're playing a lot of small ball. They're playing very gritty baseball, stealing extra bags, advancing on plays that they need to advance on. It's the little things that they're doing that are making them such a formidable competitor. That being said, we have no idea what Major League Baseball has in store in terms of what they're going to do with this baseball because we've seen them change it up midseason. But I'm in that same camp, I think, Greg. I kind of have to see it to believe it, as well as the fact that, you know, you look at the roster on paper, the offense doesn't exactly jump out at you, nor really does the bullpen. The only thing that really, really screams very loudly at you is that rotation. And now they're missing Max Scherzer. They're missing Jacob deGrom. They're missing Tyler McGill. You're looking at, I think they're slotting in Trevor, oh, what's his Trevor name? Trevor Williams. Uh, yeah, Trevor Williams. They're lined up with, I think Adonis Medina is probably going to get a start in there <laughs> at some point. They're lining up pretty poorly now, rotation-wise. And, you know, obviously it's better for baseball when Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom are playing, but it's unfortunate for them. But now you look at that roster and it's completely, you know, flip-turned in terms of how powerful you really perceive that team to be. That being said, they have been playing some great baseball. I've watched nearly every single one of their games. They are an exciting team to watch. They are really good at pulling from behind. So I think it's going to be really interesting. That being said, you know, the rest of the NL East is stinking up the place. So it really isn't going to take much to overtake first place in this division, I don't think. Yeah, and it's just so interesting as well because it almost feels like the Atlanta Braves are right now exactly where they were last season as well. Yep. Entering into what we wound up seeing this weekend, they were right around seven and a half to eight games back themselves, sort of with a little bit of a lesser record than the Phillies, but sort of hovering in that neighborhood. I believe that they were 17 and 21 going into Friday, but I take a look at them and I think that we both agree. We should probably expect a little bit of positive progression with regards to the Atlanta Braves, but I think it would be a little bit far-fetched to them 
to think that they're going to be able to catch lightning in a bottle like they wound up doing last season. And I take a look at the outlook for the Atlanta Braves. I think that when it's all said and done, they're going to be a team that's above 500. I think that they're going to be competing for the postseason once again. But I sort of do have my question marks as to how they're going to be able to do it towards the back half of the season this year as well. Because one of their big fortes last season was really the bullpen. And I think that that's really going to be a big key to this entire division in general. Which team winds up having the best bullpen, I think is really going to, dip, is really going to wind up deciding this NL East race. It's a shock to me that Atlanta's bullpen hasn't been as good as we expected it to be. It, it really is quite shocking. I mean, the way that they loaded that bullpen up was really impressive. They got some really great deals done. They really improved their team. But we're starting to see a little bit of the step back from those guys that really surged last year, right? Like Ozzy Albies hasn't necessarily always been a peripheral monster, but he's been known for his extra base hits. That's the majority of what he provides to the club. This year, I think he's slugging right around 400, which is not Ozzy Albies. Ozzy Albies-ish. Austin Riley, who took a major step forward defensively, is really struggling this year. I think Dansby Swanson leads the team in wins above replacement, but he's got a really unsustainable strikeout percentage. It's not going well for them right now. And that could be, you know, postseason hangover. We've seen that before. That could be a, a, a whole litany of things, right? But we're really starting to see those those guys that really took those big step forwards. They're kind of taking regressive steps back now. That bullpen has been really surprising. Their starting pitching has been pretty poor as well. Uh, I mean, they're not getting what they wanted to get out of like Charlie Morton, you know, guys like that. Obviously, Max Freed is Max Freed. But outside of that, and of course, the major step forward from Kyle Wright has been a huge, huge relief for them. But, you know, Charlie Morton, Ian Anderson, both have have really struggled this year. So it's hard to see when that time will be that they do start, you know, going on those winning streaks and kind of coming back from behind because the easy part of their schedule is relatively behind them. I think I looked maybe a couple of weeks ago, they through the first like 25 games of the season had the easiest schedule in baseball and they had a really tough time with it's going to be really interesting i think it's going to be mostly a three-team race till the end i think the mets really are going to have to somehow overcome their starting pitching woes in terms of injury the phillies are gonna have to somehow find a way to string together a few wins and be consistent and the braves i mean they just got to find their footing again because a lot of the guys that i think we all expected to perform have not been performing yep i agree with you and the good news for all those teams, they aren't the Washington Nationals throwing out their back to Corbin every five days. So oh my that's goodness. good news for them. And Alex, I know that you're doing a great job covering the Philadelphia Phillies and really just the game of baseball in general. I know that your main work is over there at Inside the Phillies. That is part of Sports Illustrated and the Fan Nation Network. And I know that you've been doing a great job being able to plug away all season long, taking a look at all the ins and outs of this team. So love the good people at home. Know how they're able to follow you on social media and just everything that you've got going on in general. Because if I'm if I'm not mistaken, you've got a little bit of a Twitch account as well. I do, yeah. So I'm on Twitter at Alex Carr MLB. You can find me there. You know, that's where a lot of my work gets posted. You can also check out si.com slash Phillies. That's where our inside the Phillies work is always on display. And you can also find me at twitch.tv slash take a bulk. That's T-A-K-E. A-B-A-L-K. No spaces. I've had a really good time just hopping on Twitch, talking some baseball and being able to interact closer with with the people that follow me on Twitter. And that's really been a blast. And I'm planning to really ramp that up in the coming few months. So uh, stay tuned for that. But that's where you can find me if you want to, you know, get a little bit more insight into the Phillies. 
Yep, and Alex doing an absolutely amazing job taking a look at the Phillies and does a great job just taking a look at the game of baseball in general. I know that he's been working hard taking a look at one of the more intriguing teams out there in baseball. It's going to be very fascinating to see what we're going to get out of the Phillies and really this NL East race all season long. Alex doing amazing work being able to cover it. So a big thanks to him for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It was great to get a little bit of a first-timer on the podcast today. Alex Carr did a great job being able to take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, what we're all getting out there in the Annalise in general. He does a great job over there with Inside the Phillies, a part of Sports Illustrated's network. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we 
Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUnit underscore 81, and we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go through the National League games first, and the American League games, and then any interleague games going to be at the bottom. We do have one slight amendment with this, as 963, 964 is going to be Mets and Rockies, and then Game two of that doubleheader is going to be at the bottom. I'm just going to do those all together because I wound up having a little bit of a washout between the Mets and the Rockies yesterday. So we're just going to do both of those games together. But that said, how about if we start with 951-952? This is the Chicago Cubs playing O.C. Arizona Diamondbacks. Mad Bum, Madison Bumgarner is going to be going for the Snakes. And Justin Steele is going to be on the bump for the Cubs. The Cubs are finding themselves as favorites anywhere between minus 145 and minus 140. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the D-backs, you're finding them anywhere between plus 120 and plus 130. Most places don't have a line on the total, though. I'm seeing one at Caesars of an 8. The over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. And I can tell you right now, I certainly don't think that we're going to be getting 11 home runs like we wound up getting yesterday. Wind was blowing out a lot yesterday, and looks like we're going to get the wind blowing in today. It's not going to be like gale force winds or anything like that, but we're going to get a little bit of an inward wind. So at 8, I'd be taking a look at an under. I said my total is 7.2, and when it comes to Diamondbacks, needed at least a plus 115 to be able to take a shot, and I'm going to be willing to. They've looked very solid in the first two games of the series, and I think that Bumgarner is going to be able to keep it up. Three runs of fear were given up in every one of his starts thus far this season, as been doing a solid job of being able to keep the yard, ball in the yard right around one home run per nine innings. The walks 14 and 35 in the third innings. That's a little bit of an issue, but got Justin Seal with 15 walks and fewer innings at 28. Justin Seal's whip is hovering right around a 157. He's been giving up a lot of contact, not necessarily hard contact. One home run, give it up in 28 innings, though. So he certainly is far from vulnerable. And Take a look at this Arizona Diamondbacks team. Once again, I don't think that they're going to be getting seven home runs in this game like they wound up getting yesterday, but this has been a team that's been able to put back to ball. Christian Walker has now been able to give you 10 home runs this season. Batting average is rough with this team. They're hitting a 206 overall, but have a couple guys that were out towards beginning of the season that have been able to come back, and they've looked very solid. Dalton Varsha has been the main concept for this team. He's hitting a 250, but Josh Rojas, the guy that wound up hitting three bombs yesterday, he's hitting a 290 in the 14 games that he has been available for this team. I mean, even someone like Paven Smith has been able to pick it up at tad and for the Chicago Cubs. This is a team that they average right around 4.6 runs per game at home, but that's thrown a little bit out of whack because they played something like 19 or 20 home games. One of those games, they scored 21 runs against the Pittsburgh Pirates, and seems like teams not named the Pittsburgh Pirates, they have struggled against. You take a look at some of the guys at the top of the lineup. Patrick Wisdom is literally striking out on right around 45% of his at-bats. He's hitting at 207. Has been a little bit rough for the team. Ian App, 385 on base. Bolsa Contreras at 380. These guys have been relatively solid, but you don't really have a lot of power outside of Wisdom, who's got seven home runs. The team is whole 29 bombs in 37 games, and you do take a look at this Cubs bullpen, and it has been the best in the National League with regards to ERA. Rowan Wick has been able to do a nice job. Scott Efres, Michael Givens, you give them some credit, but for the years and the Diamondbacks, this is a team that has a guy in Joe Manette. Typically, who's got a sub-1 ERA, did not wind up throwing yesterday, so he's going to be available in this game. He did th- burn through Sean Poppin and Noe Ramirez, but still have some relatively solid bullpen pieces for this team, and Madison Baumgartner, I do think, is going to be able to lend a little bit more length than Justin Steele, a guy that for his career in Steele has typically been able to give you right around 
four-ish innings. I think that he's only exceeded four and a third innings twice this season. And one of those starts was five innings against the Brewers. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Diamondbacks in this spot north of a plus 115. And I did why I'm saying my total at 7.2. So ain't looking under and looking at the stakes. I'm 53-9-54 on the bank board. These slam Diego Padres. Going to be in the road face-off against the Giants. One Carlos Rodan is going to be going for the Giants and Joe Musgrove on the bump for the Padres. Padres are anywhere between plus 120 and plus 130 underdogs. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Giants, find them now as low as a minus 130, as high as minus 150, with 7 being your total over and under. In between minus 105 and minus 115, did wind up saying my total had a 6.7. I do like this total under because got a guy in Joe Musgrove who has been about as rock solid of a starter as you can get this season. Has went at least six innings in all seven of his starts. Only pitcher in the big leagues that can say that. And he's been able to do a nice job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Four home runs, six blocks allowed in 45 innings. A little bit over nine strikeouts per nine innings. So he has been very good for the scene. But then you take a look at Carlos Rodon. Currently a Cy Young candidate. Did wind up having a blow-up start against the same Lowe's Cardinals. So if it's a butt spot, that was not too terrific giving up eight runs in three and two-thirds innings. But you take that out of the fold in 35 innings aside from that Cardinals start. Seven runs allowed. So he has been very good. That's the only start this year, which he's given up more than two runs. And we'll do a solid job. We'll be able to keep things out in front of him with regards to the walks. Always has been a little bit of an issue for him. 13 walks in 38 and two-thirds innings. But just one home run allowed. Strikeout stuff has been amazing. He's averaging over 11 strikeouts per nine innings. And you do take a look at both of these lineups. And I mean, with the Padres, you just don't have the balance that the Giants do. You've got Eric Cosmer, Manny Machado, both entering into Friday, hitting above a 336. And everyone else in the starting lineup, not named Jorge Alfaro, hitting at 233 or worse. Alfaro hitting at 250 with two home runs and 60 at-bats. And I mean, really past that. Drixon Profar, awesome Kim, Robinson Cano, Trent Grisham, all these guys hitting at 221 or lower. Then you take a look at the Giants. And got quite a few guys that have been able to do a solid job of get on base. I'm like a Kirk Casale hitting at 270. Wilmer Flores at 260. Thario Estrada in that neighborhood as well. Brandon Crawford has had a little bit of a rough go of it this season, but Jack Peterson has been able to give you seven home runs. Luis Gonzalez has been hitting a 350 side. It's been big. And Tommy Lasella is now back in the fold as well. Got a pair of bullpens that have struggled a little bit this season, but the Giants, they showed last year that this can be a dominant bullpen. They were the only one in the big leagues that had a sub-3 ERA. Charlon Garcia, Camilo Duvall have been able to do a solid job. John Breeb has certainly been a little bit over the place, but Jake McGee being out, I would actually argue, helps the team out a little bit. And then for the Padres, Taylor Rogers has been absolutely amazing. 0.52 ERA, 15 saves, but aside from him, it's been a little bit of rough sledding. Robert Suarez, a 4.11 ERA. Craig Salmon is someone that I always like. He's been pretty good this season, but guys like Luis Garcia have not necessarily been able to do the world's greatest job, so I did wind up saying the Giants at a minus 146. Seeing this get down to a minus 130, feel very good about this money line, and I do think that both of these starters in Rodon and Musgrove, especially in a little bit of pitcher-friendly ballpark, going to have it working in this one, so looking at a 7-under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Giants. I'm 55-956 on the bang board. The LA Dodgers are going to be in the road to face off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Aaron Supernola is going to be going for the Phillies, and for the Dodgers, it appears as though we're getting that classic bullpen game. So, we currently have no numbers up on this game. You may recall guys like Michael Grove have been getting some starts for the Dodgers. They've used Ryan P. Point in a few spots. P. Point, I don't think, is going to be able to come back for this one. So, 
Got to figure that the Dodgers are going to throw out there a little bit of everything. I know that they've utilized Mitch White sort of in a bulk role in the past. I would not be surprised if they wind up doing something similar. Tony Gonsolin slated to go for Sunday, so that rules him out as well. Bruce Harder Griderall can probably give you an inning or two. Evan Phillips is probably going to need to give you a little bit of relief. And this is a Dodgers bullpen that has been very solid. One of the best in the big leagues with regards to ERA this year. Last year, they were pretty dominant as well. So I don't think that you can completely understand undermine the Dodgers bullpen, but with that said, I was talking about it with Alex, that you've got some pretty demonstrative home and road splits when it comes to Aaron Supernola. I did wind up saying the Phillies as a result as a minus 111 favorite. Now with Nola, 1-4 record, I don't think that it fully indicates how he's pitched this season. You take a look at him, especially at home, 309 ERA, 4 starts. He has given up the 4 home runs, but opponents are getting just buck 39 off of him. His strikeouts per 9 rate, right around a 10.5, and, and for his career, Nola has a home ERA that's right around 1.2 to 1.3 points lower than it is on the road. Now with the Phillies, you always run the risk with this bullpen. I mean, Jurisic Familia, Spanish for blown save at this point. He has not been good. Corey Knable, he has had a little bit of a rough go of it as well. I do think that there's upside with Brad Ann, but when you've got guys like Nick Nelson and company that you need to rely upon, it's honestly too terrific, but you do take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. Probably going to be without Bryce Harper once again. He was out of the fold yesterday, but you do have quite a few guys that will be able to get on base. Alec Bohm, Gene Segura, both hitting above a 285. Even at the bottom of the lineup, Yohan Camargo, Odubo Herrera. These guys have been doing a good job. Nick Cassianos is hitting at 270. He's got some pop in the bat. Kyle Schwarber not hitting for average, but he's been able to belt out the homers. And for the Dodgers, got a couple struggling bats in this lineup as well. Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner down for what? Max Muncy, all hitting at 210 or Lauren for Bellinger. I mean, man, we got to wonder if he's ever going to be able to figure it out. It has not been good. Mookie Betts, he has been the bets around. He has been able to hit above a 265, right around a 350 on base. Eight plus home runs this season. He's been able to do a good job, but I do think that Aaron Nola going to be able to do a solid job in this spot. I did wind up having with regards to bullpen game versus Nola. Minus 111 on the Phillies, so pretty much minus 110 or less. We'll be willing to take a look at the Phillies and semi-total in an 8.4, so an 8 or lower looking over, 8.5 or higher to the under as we move on to 957-958 on the betting board. The Miami Marlins going to be playing us the Atlanta Braves. Kyle Wright hopes to be Mr. Wright for the Bravos and Eliezer Hernandez is going to be on the bump for the Fishies. You've got the Braves find themselves anywhere between minus 125 and minus 135. Meanwhile, with the Fish, it's anywhere between plus 115 and plus 120 with your total on game 7.5. The over and the under are anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And I'm thinking that we're probably going to be able to get a number in which I'm going to be able to take it with the Atlanta Braves. We have just seen it all season long where the Miami Marlins wind up just getting a whole bunch of steam on their games. I mean, you even take a look to what we wound up getting on Friday. The Braves opened up right around a minus 140. They closed in a lot of places. Like I'm seeing as low as a minus 111. So I'm thinking that even though right now we're seeing a lot of like minus 130-ish with the Braves, this is probably going to get down to my number at a minus 123. So I'm right now just in sit back and wait mode anticipating that I'm probably going to be able to get that number to show with the Atlanta Braves. And when it comes to the Braves, Kyle Wright has been very right for the team. You take a look at what he's been able to do this year. 279 ERA. Strikeouts per nine rate has been a little bit over 10. 
He's been able to cut down on the walks right around 2.7 walks per nine innings, giving up two home runs. And for Eliezer Hernandez, and you talk about a guy that's given up the deep ball, right around 2.7 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is around three. 6.15 ERA. You know that you're giving up a lot of hard contact when in four home starts, you've given up four home runs. And I mean, it's not even just this year because you can call it a small sample size. Last season while he was at home, he gave up eight bombs and 27 and a third inning. So that's not necessarily terrific. And you do take a look at this Miami Marlins bullpen and certainly it's been far from terrible, but they didn't get what they wanted out of Trevor Rogers yesterday. So that expended them a little bit more than expected. Had Anthony Bass do a solid job, giving you right around a buck 60 ERA. Lewis had in that fold as well. Stephen O'Kurt will give you a couple solid innings as well, but Anthony Bender hovering right around 450 with regards to ERA. Tanner Scott's Cole Solzer have had their ups and their downs, and for the Atlanta Rays, they have been with a little bit of an ailment to Tyler Madzik, but still have Kenley Jansen, which I know that sometimes he can come up not so big in some big spots, but by and large, a very solid reliever for the team. AJ Minter has a buck 62 ERA, so these guys have been able to come through, and you take a look at this Atlanta Braves lineup, they've been struggling a little bit with regards to batting average, but you've still got no shortage of power when it comes to this team. you got Marcel Zuna go deep for his eighth home run of the season yesterday. Dansby Swanson has been able to get on base a little bit more recently. Travis Arno saying at 275, Ronald Acuna Jr. is back. He had a multi-hit game yesterday. He's gotten north of a 400 on base. And for the Miami Marlins, it's actually been a halfway decent offense. Jess Chisholm, he's been able to give you right around seven-ish home runs. He's hitting in the pocket of about a 300. Brian Anderson, Asus Aguiar, both of these guys in between about a 250 to a 265. Brian De La Cruz hitting well above a 300. But the stars of this team, Asus Sanchez, Avicio Garcia, Jacob Sellings, Miguel Ross, all in between about a 210 to a 225. So I do think that there is a little bit of a leg up here with the Braves. Like I said, I set the Braves as a minus 123, but we've just seen the movement all season long with the Miami Marlins. I think that this is going to wind up getting there with the Braves. I mean, if we wind up getting a plus 125 on the Marlins, I'll certainly take it, but I'm not anticipating that being the case. Did wind up saying my total at a 7.7 with the way that Hernandez is giving up the deep ball as well. So at a minus 123 and seeing a minus 120 popping up at the West Cave right now as I do this on the Braves. So we're going to take that minus 120 with the Braves and I'm taking a look at this total over as we move on to 959-960 on the betting board. The Pittsburgh Pirates are going to be playing us to the St. Louis Cardinals. Matthew Libertor is going to be going for the Cardinals in his MLB debut and Jose Quitana is going to be on the bump. For the Buccos, the Buccos are finding themselves as an underdog of any team plus 115 and plus 122. And for the Cardinals, you're going to be getting them between minus 130 and minus 135 with 8.5 to 9 being your total. On the 9, under is minus 125. The over is plus 105. On the 8.5, over is any team minus 115 and minus 125. Under is between minus 105 and plus 105. And with Libertor and company, I was willing to lay up to a minus 134. With the Cardinals, so here I'd like a minus 130, minus 132. I'm going to be willing to take the same Louis Cardinals. You take a look at Libertor, and he was able to improve in the minor leagues this year as opposed to last season. I typically have my trepidations with taking guys in their MLB debut. It certainly helps when you wind up going up against the Pittsburgh Pirates, though, because you do take a look at Libertor. Good plus stuff out there in the minor leagues. He was pitching at Memphis this year. 10 and a half strikeouts per nine innings. The walks per nine rate the last two years at the minor leagues. It combined about 2.5, 2.6-ish, so... Not too bad of command. He does wind up giving up a little bit of hard contact, but that said, once again, you're going up against the Pittsburgh Pirates, a team in which 
They have not necessarily been doing a great job of being able to put back to ball all season long. Daniel Vogelback has been able to give you six home runs. He's a guy that's hitting right in the pocket of about a 250 for this team. And to the credit of Cabrian Ace, has been able to do a nice job of being able to get on base. He, for the season, has been hovering right in that neighborhood of about a 285 with his batting average. Ben Gamble, a 350 on base. But Yoshi Satsugo, Josh Van Meter, Josh Wozniski, Michael Perez, all these guys in below the Mendoza line of 200. Really wipes that out. Michael Chavis is back to full. He's dealt with some injuries, hitting a 290, but not necessarily a lot of power in the bat. And then you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals and Paul Goldschmidt hitting well above a 300 right now. Ever since a rough start to the season, he's been terrific. You've got Nolan Gorman who just wound up getting called up to the big leagues. I think it might take him a little bit of time to get things figured out, but he's an up-and-coming prospect for this team. Yadier Molina along with Harrison Bader have been able to get on base in recent games. Nolan Arenado, 350 on base, 9 home runs entering into yesterday. For the Cardinals, they do back up Libertor with a relatively solid bullpen. You've had Giovanni Gallegos have his ups and downs, but Genesis Cabrera has a sub-3 ERA. Andre Palanti, he's able to give you multiple innings. He's got right around a one-ish ERA thus far this season. The Woodford, Jake Woodford, is able to do a good job as well. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they've had pretty much all but two of their wins come out of the bullpen, even though it's not been great. David Bernard, Anthony Banda have been terrific, but Chris Rain right around a 6 ERA. Ethan Embry has not been good. Aaron Fletcher, whenever they've needed to utilize him, it has been a little bit of a hot mess there. When it comes to what you're going to be able to get out of Libertor, he was averaging nearly six innings per start at the minor league level. He's able to give you a little bit of length, so I do like the St. Louis Cardinals up to about a minus 135 in this spot, so I'm going to be willing to take a look at the cards. That when it comes to Jose Quintana, I think that he's actually going to be able to lend halfway decent start on the other side. Not necessarily backed up by a great bullpen, but you take a look at him, and he's got a 2-1-90 area this season. He wound up posting up right around a six last year with the Angels, so I do think that there's going to be a little bit of negative regression coming in from, especially with the fact that he's been giving up a little bit over 3.2 walks per nine innings. So I do think that that's going to be a little bit of an issue with strikeouts per nine rate that is hovering right in the pocket of about seven and a half. So I'm going to be willing to take the St. Louis Cardinals in this spot. And with this total, I did wind up saying it an 8.2. Pirates have had a tough time going yard, and I do think that this is a case in which the Pirates are going to get a solid start out of Kitana. So looking under and looking Cardinals. We go to the DK Nation pick 961-962 on the bang board. The Washington Nationals hit the road to face off against the Mill. Milwaukee Brewers has Brandon Woodruff is going to be going for the crew and Patrick Corbin is going to be on the bump for Washington. Washington has find themselves a pretty sizable underdog in the spot. Anywhere team plus 170 and plus 190 with the crew. It's anywhere between minus $2 and minus 210. 7.5 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and even. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. And when it comes to DK Nation pick, I'm looking at the over. I set my total at an 8.7. I think that Brandon Woodruff is going to start to pick it up at some point, but he has not been good this year. Now, I will say this about Brandon Woodruff, darn near all of his struggles this season have come on the road, but take a look at him in past years. Home and road splits have not necessarily been too demonstrative with him. Brandon Woodruff does not deserve this 4-2 record. 5.35 ERA. It's not like he's given up a ton of home runs. Five home runs at 33 and two-thirds innings. Not ideal, but I mean, he's just been giving up a lot of contact in general. A little bit over three walks per nine innings. Strikeouts are still there, right around 11 punch-outs per nine innings, but just take a look at it. Three plus runs given up in each out of his last four starts. Few of those were honored against the Miami Marlins, but still, it has been brutal. And you want to talk about brutal? I mean, Patrick Corbin, Exhibit A. This guy has been terrible. He's giving up less than a home run per nine innings, but four and a half walks per nine innings. His hits per nine rate, he is giving up over 10 of them. I mean, this guy has been terrible. 
three plus runs given up in four out of his last five starts. And for that matter, he's given up fewer than two runs just once so far this year. So yeah, he's certainly had his issues and it's not like he's backed up by some sort of a rock solid Washington Nationals bullpen. Tanner Rainey, the team's closer right now, had a 70 ERA last season. Kyle Finnegan has not been able to find the play. Victor Arano, north of a four ERA, awesome both. He's got a 575 ERA. And then for the Milwaukee Brewers, this is actually a team that's in the bottom half of the big leagues with regards to their bullpen ERA. They be deal with Josh Hader being away for a little bit of a family matter the last few days, so you do want to be taking note of that, and that does wind up contributing to this a little bit because Brent Suter has right now got a 375 ERA. He's had his falters. Trevor Gott, he's been a little bit up and down recently as well. Brad Boxberger has three blown save. That's more on the guys that are in front of him rather than Brad Boxberger himself, who's got right around three RA. Devin Williams is still out there, but do take a look at this Brewers team, and I do think that some of their offensive numbers have been artificially inflated by the way that they've been playing against the Cincinnati Reds all season long, but entering into Friday, you had yourself Willie Adamas, Hunter Renfro, and Rowdy Tellez combining for 26 home runs, and Tellez and Adamas a combined 54 RBI. Now, Brewers have been relatively solid with regards to their batting average at a 233. That's league average, and it's not necessarily been one guy that's been able to bust out. Tellez, Christian Yelich, Andrew McCutcheon, who's going to be missing for quite a while, Colton Wong, Omar Narvaez, Hunter Renfro, all hitting between about a 236 to a 253. So they've all sort of been in that pocket. Luis Urias, whenever he's been out there, has been rock solid, though he's been missing for quite a few games as well throughout the season. It's been good to be able to see him back. And then you did take a look at the Washington Nationals, and this is a team that they've got a little bit of pop in the bat as well. As you've got Mikel Franco, Cesar Hernandez, along Cuba Ruiz, owing at least a 260 for the team, Juan Soto. He's got eight home runs at 11 RBI going into Friday. I mean, someone needs to get on base from the bottom of the lineup with LCDs, Escobar, Lane Thomas, guys like this. It has been a little bit rough, but I do think that we're going to get quite a few runs up on the board. Woodruff has up in himself this year. Patrick Corbin is still Patrick Corbin. And when it comes to this spot, I was willing to dig the Nationals as long as we got to a plus 195, and we clearly have not been able to get there. With the Brewers' run line, you're finding it anywhere between a plus 110 to a plus 115. I think that this is going to be a high-scoring game. I was pretty much willing to take anything of even money or better, so I'm going to look at the Brewers on the run line, even though they are the home team, because I think that Patrick Corbin gets destroyed, and the DK Nation pick is on the over. 963-964 is going to be the double dip between the New York Metropolitans and the Colorado Rockies. When it comes to what we're going to be getting in Game 1, it is going to be what we were supposed to get yesterday with one Carlos Carrasco going for the Mets, and you've got Urban Marquez who's going to be going for the Colorado Rockies, and that's actually going to be the makeup game, so that's actually going to be 981-982, and then you take a look at what we're set to get in Game 2. It looks like we're going to be getting Austin Gomber against Trevor Williams with regards to this one, though. This is a little bit of subject to change because I've been hearing rumblings that we might wind up getting David Peterson sometime in this series as well, so be on red alert with that regard. So we could wind up seeing a couple changes, but if we do wind up getting Gomber against Williams in Game 2, relative pick game. I want to bank in the Mets a minus 103, and I set my total at an 11.4, so any 11 or less, I'd be taking a look at an over and an 11.5 or higher we'll be looking at the under and I pretty much got the same handicap that we wound up having with regards to the Carlos Carrasco versus Irma Marquez game. I wound up taking this up just a little bit because always when it comes to game one, 
of series that wind up happening in Coors Field. I do wind up awarding about five or so cents to the Rockies because you wind up having to go to elevation. So I had the Mets at right around minus 108-ish beforehand. Now I've got them at minus 114 in this spot, which I'd be willing to lay. And if you take a look at the Carrasco versus Irma Marquez start before it wound up going off the board, you were finding the Colorado Rockies right around about a plus 112-ish, and you were finding the Mets in that pocket about a minus 120 to a minus 125. So if we'd be able to get up to a plus 114 with the Rockies, which it was in that neighborhood when it wound up going off the board, I would be willing to back Marquez. And, and honestly, a minus 140 run line with regards to Colorado with Herman Marquez might not be a bad look either because I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 143 there as well. So we've got a lot of sorting out to do, but with regards to Marquez versus Carrasco, I want to take my total on 11.4. So the 10 when I want it going off the board, I would be taking a look at that total over because you do have a guy in Carrasco who has been relatively solid this year to his credit because last year, well, it was not necessarily so terrific for him. He wound up having north of a 5 ERA in this year. It's not like he's been dominant or anything like that. Strikeout numbers a little bit down, right around seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but and he's allowing right around 1.7-ish blocks per nine innings. And for Marquez, he certainly has been getting tagged himself. He's given up right around 11 hits per nine innings. You take a look at Marquez and his home-to-road splits, and he's actually been relatively solid at home in recent years. You're able to take a look back at 2021, 367 home ERA, 538 road ERA, which really defies uh, logic, especially giving up just nine home runs at 103 innings. Most far this season, it's been more around a 6 ERA at home and a 6 ERA overall, but I do think that the Rockies just perform a little bit better when they are in Coors Field in general. I mean, you just take a look at their batting average. They're hitting right around a 283, 284 as a collective at home. And on the road, that sinks to a 229. So you've got a difference of over 50 points right there. And you take a look at CJ Crone, two home runs on the road, eight home runs at home. That has been absolutely massive. You got Charlie Blackman, who both at home and on the road has been struggling a little bit, but you know that he's going to be able to pick it up. Randall Gritchick has been able to right around a 300-ish at home as well. And then you take a look at the Rockies, even something like a Daniel Bard going back to last season. His ERA is three-point lower at home rather than on the road. And for the Mets, it is a little bit of a shaky bullpen that they're going to need to mix and match quite a bit. You got to figure that you're probably going to need to have Drew Smith, Chase, and Shreve both be able to give you some solid innings. Smith actually has a sub-2 ERA. Shreve, more like a 335 ERA. So Lugo is able to give you multiple innings. And he's probably going to need to here, but he's been getting shelled recently. A combined four runs given up in his last three outings, right around a 480 ERA. Edwin Diaz has been terrific, but with regards to Colorado Rockies, you do have more long guys like a tie block, who's not terrific, but he's able to give you innings you least just seen as well. And then when it comes to the Mets, they've been probably the luckiest team in offense at all baseball. They lead the league in infield singles. You have been able to have quite a few guys do a solid job of being a reach base for this team. And for Pete Alonso, he actually led all baseball in terms of home runs on the road last season. He's hitting at 275. Brandon Nimmo, along with Mark Hanna, they're in between a 285 to a 295. Jeff McNeil's hitting above a 300. Francisco Lindor's regressed a little bit. He's still giving the team a 343 on base. So Starling Marte, one of the best base healers in all of baseball. He's hitting right around a 265. So I do take a look at this spot, and I do think that it's intriguing from both aspects of that. And then when it comes to the pitching matchup of Williams versus Gomber, Williams has made one road start this year, wound up giving up four runs over the course of two innings against the Arizona Diamondbacks. has actually been much better coming out of the bullpen this season, so I do think that that's a little bit intriguing because you do take a look at Trevor Williams and 
he actually wound up having some solid starts while he was with the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates towards like the 2018 season. You take a look at what he's done this year. He's made two starts, six total appearances, right around a 420 ERA. Big thing with him is just being able to limit some of the hard contact in general because he does a good job of not walking guys. Just two walks in 15 innings, but sometimes just puts it out over the plate too much. Doesn't necessarily have elite velocity. And then Frost and Gomber. This is someone who has been given up a lot of hard contact this year. Six home runs given up in 39 innings. Right around three walks per nine innings. Nothing great, nothing terrible. And it's a very demonstrative home and road splits last season. Wound up posting up a 209 home ERA, 622 road ERA. I think that a little bit of it was luck at home last season. So I do think that this should be a relatively pick'em game in Williams versus Gomber. Made the Mets a minus 103 favorite, 11 or less, looking over 11 or higher to the under. And then in Carrasco versus Marquez, if I get at least a plus 114 on the Rockies, would be willing to take that. And at the 10 that we wound up seeing when that wound up going off the board, would be looking over 10 and a half. That would be my buy point on the under. 965, 966 on the betting board. The New York Yankees are going to be playing against the Chicago White Sox. We're going to be getting the same pitching matchup we were supposed to yesterday. Dallas Keiko going for the White Sox. Nestor Cortez going for the Yankees. If you take a look at numbers when they wanted going off the board, you were finding more around a minus 180 on the Yankees because they were thinking it was going to be Luis Severino and Johnny Cueto. But when this went off the board yesterday, you were finding Keiko and company right around a plus 175 to a plus 185. Yankees in that pocket about minus $2, minus 210 with 8.5 being your total. Juicy over at right around minus 115 to a minus 125 under between even and plus 105 and a minus 105 out there as well. And when it came to the run line, you'll find that in a lot of places right around a minus 110. I saw as good as even money, but that said, minus 110 or better on the Yankees run line, I'm going to be willing to take a shot on it, especially if I can wind up getting like an even money a minus 105 because I Dallas Keiko has just been absolutely terrible. I do recognize the fact that you have had a case in which Dallas Keiko has been able to improve a little bit more in recent starts, but Nestor Cortez, despite the fact that he's a lefty and White Sox, they hit right around at 250 against lefties. He has been nothing short of dominant, and against this very White Sox team a week ago on Saturday, eight innings, gave up one run in the process, was absolutely dealing in for Keiko against the Yankees. So his credit, he was able to throw up their five scoreless innings about a week or so ago, but still, it's a case in which with Keiko, he's given up 21 runs and 26 innings thus far this season. Only three home runs. He's not given up a lot of heart contact, but the 15 walks and 26 innings, big giant issue when you don't wind up getting strikeouts the way that Cortez does. Cortez, he is averaging right around 11 in strikeouts per nine innings. So he's been able to do a good job. And for the New York Yankees, you just take a look at the power of this team. Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo by themselves with 24 home runs that you're even able to make it better. Judge and Stanton. Stanton has 11. That's a combined 25. These guys have more home runs than some teams do thus far this season. It has been incredible. Judge is hitting above a 300. John Carlos Sand at 295. Isaiah Canera for left. Uh, DJ Turner up. LeMayu. Josh Allenson in between a 252 to 272. All with at least a 328 on base. Donaldson has been able to give you five home runs. And for the Yankees, this has been an elite bullpen. Top three with regards to ERA. Aroldis Chapman has been a little bit shaky here recently. Has given up at least one run in each out of his last four appearances. So, Joey Gallo out there in the field did not help him out in that Baltimore Orioles series. We'll leave it at that. Wandy Peralta has been dealing, though. He, along with Clay Holmes, a sub-2 ERA. And in the case of Holmes, a 0-44 ERA. Michael King is able to give you multiple innings as well. Miguel Castro has been terrific. And for the White Sox, this is a bottom-10 bullpen ERA right now. I mean, you take a look at what you're able to get out of some of these setup men. Matt Foster has been able to do a solid job. And Tanner Banks was credited right around a 3-ish ERA. But Bennett Sosa, another guy that you can feel too reliable about. Kendall Graveman is actually someone I like, but 
Liam Hendricks in the ninth inning has not necessarily been so dominant this season. And you did take a look at this Yankees lineup there, still without Uloy Jimenez right now, so that is hurting them. You've got two guys that have been able to do an amazing job of being able to reach base. Luis Robert along with Tim Anderson. Anderson he is hitting a 346 right now. He has been terrific, but take a look at the struggling bets of this team as you've got Jose Obadeu along with Yoel Moncada, Gavin Sheets, Lori Garcia. Yasmani Grandal, Josh Harrison, Reese McGuire, all these guys hitting at 207 or lower. Now, I do think that Abreu, a guy that year in and year out gives you 100 RBI, he's going to be able to pick it up. And getting back Andrew Vaughn, he's sitting right around at 265. That is big. But with that said, I do think that Cortez is going to be dealing against Dallas Keuchel. And I think that Keuchel is going to get figured out this time by the Yankees. Willing to lay up to a minus 110 on that Yankees run line. And semi total at an 8.8 if we wind up getting the 8.5 that we wound up seeing yesterday, looking at an over, and we'll be looking at a Yankees run line. 967, 968 on the bang board. We take a look at the other Sox as the Seattle Mariners. They are going to be in the road face off against the Boston Red Sox as Garrett Woodlock is going to be going for the Sox and Chris Flexen is on the bump for Seattle. Seattle's find themselves in between plus 115 and plus 139. So quite a bit of movement there. Meanwhile, with Boston, you're going to be finding them in between minus 135 and minus 150 with your total nine over and under are both at minus 110. And I'm going to lay up to a minus 145 here with Boston. They open up at minus 145. So that minus 145 mark is pretty much the max I'm willing to lay with the Boston Red Sox, but I'm willing to lay that minus 145 because you do take a look at Chris Flexen. And even last year, he did wind up having a little bit of a home and road split. Last year, it actually was not too bad, but this year, he's just been getting tattooed, whether it be at home or on the road. 435 ERA because he's just not much of a swing and miss guy. His seven strikeouts per nine innings this season is actually a little bit of an upgrade for him. He's been giving out a couple more walks, right around three walks per nine innings, and just case which he's given up seven home runs to 39 in a third innings that winds up happening when you just wind up putting the ball over the plate a little bit too much. And Garrett Woodlock has been able to deal for this team. Did wind up having a little bit of a rough start about a week or two ago against the Atlanta Braves where he gave up three runs in three innings. Did wind up giving up two in his last start against the Houston Astros, but I mean... To give up two runs in five innings against the Astros is actually not too bad of work. He has been giving up four home runs in 29 and a third innings, but swing and miss stuff is there right around 11 punch outs per nine innings. He's getting stretched out, so can't figure that he's going to really be going north of five innings in this spot. And for the Boston Red Sox, this is a bullpen that it has been suspect to say the least. John Schreiber has had to be used quite a bit. Michael Walker was unable to give you five innings yesterday, so someone like an Austin Davis wound up getting used up. And then you take a look at the killer bees for this team. Matt Barnes along with Ryan Brazier both have been terrible. Brazier, I'm pretty sure, is now on the injured list because I mean, it just has not been going well. Eric Gauzasadamona, a little bit up and down for the team. That's a robust list. It's someone that I do like for this bunch, but certainly it has been a little bit of a trouble spot in for the Boston Red Sox. Just such a top-heavy lineup. Now, the good news is Trevor Story has been able to come alive in this series. He's got a double-digit amount of RBI in this series alone. Prior to it, he had been hanging right around the Mendoza line, but you've got a trio of guys, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez, who entered into Friday all hitting at 331 or greater, and then you take a look at everyone else that had gotten at least five at-bats, and Trevor Story was leading the way with this regard, all hitting at 230 or lower. I mean, that is a big, giant issue. And Christian Arroyo, Jackie Bradley Jr., who you know that he's just not going to come back, come through with his bat. Bobby Dahlbeck, who's been a little bit banged up. Kike Hernandez, all these guys hitting below a 200. It has been ghastly for this bunch. But you also take a look at the Seattle Mariners, very top-heavy team themselves. J.P. Crawford, Ty France. 
have both been able to hit very well for this team. Crawford just below 300 France. He's been able to give you north of 25 RBI. He's hitting right around a 325, so he has been terrific. And Julio Rodriguez, you take a look at the month that he's having. He's hitting well above a 300 ever since. On a getting a little bit unlucky at the beginning of the season. He's been able to pick it up. Adam Frazier's hitting right around 265 as well. But Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez, the two pickups that you wound up seeing from Cincinnati. Both of these guys are hitting right around 220. Both of these guys have been able to get on base, but certainly expect a little bit more. And then Cal Raleigh, the injured Jared Kelnick, Dylan Moore, Abraham Toro, all these guys hitting at 200 or lower. That is a little bit of an issue. And for the Mariners, this has been a bullpen that has taken some steps back this season. Drew Seconrider's dealing with a little bit of an injury. I like Anthony Machevich. He's been able to give you right around a 3-5-ish ERA, though. Diego Castillo, north of an 8 ERA. For this bunch, Penn Murphy has actually come in and has been able to do a very solid job for the team, but you just expected a little bit more out of them, so I'm willing to lay up to a minus 145 when it comes to the Red Sox in the spot, so I'm willing to take them, and when it comes to the total, I did wind up setting my total at an 8.8, so taking a look at what we've got right now, I'd be willing to take the 9 under, as I do think that Flexen going to be able to do a good job of be able to keep the lesser Boston Red Sox hitters a little bit off guard, but I think that Woodlock delivers a good start, so looking under and looking Sox. 969, 970 on the Bang board. The Detroit Tigers hit the road to face off against the Cleveland Guardians. Shane Bieber Fever is going to be going for the Guardians, and Alex Fado is going to be going for the Tigers. Tigers are finding themselves as underdogs. Any team plus 160 and plus 165 with the Guardians. It's saying we're team minus 175 and minus 198 to 8.5 is your total. On the 8, overs minus 115. The unders minus 105. On the 8.5, unders any between minus 115 and minus 125. The over is any between minus 105 and plus 105. And when it comes to the Detroit Tigers, I needed a bit more of a plus price to be able to take them as I wound up saying this at a 195 with regards to the money line. So I am going to be taking a look at the Cleveland Guardians in some form or fashion with the Guardians. I was willing to lay up to minus 110 on their run line. Right now we're finding that at plus 20, right around a plus 110 to a plus 115. So I am more than willing to nibble. Now Shane Bieber has not been himself this season as he's been down a little bit with his swing and miss stuff and the velocity in general has taken a little bit of a dip. But still, he's giving you 8.5 strikeouts per 9 90s, giving up less than a home run per 9. The command has still been there right around 2.8 walks per 9 innings. Yeah, take a look at Fado, and he's been giving you 4 walks of 15 and 2 thirds innings. That's certainly not been bad, but he just gives up a little bit too much contact in general. It's a case in which he has went between 5 and 5 and 2 thirds innings in all 3 of his starts, and has been a beneficiary of facing off against the Pirates and the Oakland A's. Had a very good start against the Tampa Bay Rays on the road to his credit, but he's also not been getting too many swings and misses, so that is something that you do want to be taking note of, and for the Cleveland Guardians, the offense is starting to go into a little bit of a swoon. They don't necessarily do a great job with the deep ball, but you do have quite a few guys that are able to get on base for the team, as you've got Jose Ramirez, Miles Straw, Owen Miller, Stephen Kwan, all giving you at least a 340 on base, and in the case of Ramirez, he's been able to give you north of 30 RBI, so he's been able to do a solid job there. Oscar Mercado, Ernie Clement, Austin Hedges, these guys at the bottom of the lineup, they do need to pick it up a little bit, but then you do take a look at what you're able to get out of this Detroit Tigers team. Willie Castro has been able to above a 300. Miguel Cabrera has really been the constant of this team, hitting a 280. Though his power numbers are down, and you just take a look at the Detroit Tigers in general. This is a team that has not been able to generate a lot of power. They have got for the season 20 home runs over the course of 38 games. To put this into perspective, Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stan enter into Saturday with 25. So that is something that you don't necessarily want on your mantle, and 
you just take a look at some of the struggling bats for this team as you've got Derek Hill, Jamir Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Spencer Torkelson, Javi Baez, and Robbie Grossman, all hitting at 212 or lower for this bunch. So it's not something that you'd necessarily want to be taking a look at, but with the Detroit Tigers, what you do like about this team, the bullpen. They have been lights out for this team, even with the Funkhauser, Kyle Funkhauser being out of the fold. They've been able to do a great job all season long. Gregory Soto has been able to give you some very solid innings, was an all-star closer last season. Will Vest, whenever he's been out there has been solid. He's dealing with a little bit of an injury, but Andrew Chafin, 235 ERA. Alex Lang has done a nice job of being able to hold down the fort and for the Guardians. You've been able to have Emmanuel Classe be able to give you some nice saves and holds in the back half of games. Guys, absolutely nasty. Brian Shaw has been brutal for this team, but Trevor Steven, he's got a sub-3 ERA. Nick Samlin has been able to give you some nice innings. And Sam Entages was a failure as a starter. On the bullpen, he's got a sub-1-5 ERA. So, I do take a look at this spot, and I think that Bieber and company going to be able to really come through, especially against the Tigers team that they are one of the worst on offense in all of baseball. I just don't think that the Tigers are going to be able to exceed three in this spot. So I did wind up saying my total at a 7.2. I'm going to be taking a look at the under in this spot. And with the Cleveland Guardians being able to get plus money on that run line, going to be willing to lay the run in half. 971, 972 on the main board. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be in the red phase off against the Baltimore Orioles. Kyle Baradish is going to be going for the Orioles. And Jeffrey Springs is going to be on the bump for Tampa Bay. Tampa's anywhere between a minus 140 to a minus 155 favorite. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Baltimore, between plus 120 and plus 140 is your price, eight and a half is your total. Over is minus 120, and the under is even with Baltimore. I did wind up saying them an underdog of plus 158. So, going to be taking a look at the raise. It depends upon money line or run line at the minus 140. I'd want to nibble a little bit more on that money line rather than the run line because I pretty much need even money to be able to take a look at the run line. Finding it a lot of places, anywhere between a plus 110 to a plus 120. Would rather take a shot on a minus 140 because going into Friday, the Orioles had actually been, I believe, 12 and 5 when getting a run and a half at home this season. So, would rather be able to just take the assurance of the money line itself. And for Jeffrey Springs, he's been getting stretched out and he's looked very good as a starter for this team. He has made three total starts. Last two starts has won four plus innings and overall this season. He's got a buck 66 ERA. Strikeouts per nine rate is right around an eight and a half. He's given up three walks in 21 and two thirds innings as well and just one home run. So it's done a nice job of being able to hold down the fort. And then you do take a look at the Baltimore Orioles and they have been dealing with a little bit of an injury as Ryan Mountcastle has been in and out of the fold for this team on a missing once again yesterday. So that winds up hurting them. Now awesome to say is Gidre Boom and Mancini both hitting above a 275 with at least a 340 on base. That helps out this team set Derek Mullins is sitting right around on 300 for the month. And you got Anthony Santander, Ode Mateo, both hitting right around a 230 to a 240. Tyler Nevin, he's been able to pick it up as well. But you take a look at the bottom of the lineup. Anthony Benboom, Chris Owings, Calvin Gutierrez, Armand Urias, Robin Cinturinos, all these guys hitting below a 200 has been ghastly for this team. And then you take a look at the Tampa Bay race and got a couple guys like Brett Phillips, Mike Zanino, Kevin Kiermeyer that they do need to pick it up. A G-Man Choi, couple with Ronda Franco and Isaac Paredes in between a 265 and a 275 has been solid. Yandy Diaz is hitting a 280 as well. Power has not necessarily been there with the Rays this year because you've been dealing with a little bit of an injury recently to Brandon Lau. You've had Wanda Franco be able to pick it up a little bit, but Mike Zanino, who wound up having a big year last year, he certainly has not had that, but for the Rays, after their bullpen looked a little bit shaky at the beginning of the season, just a clean bill of health in general has been able to help them out. Ryan Thompson has been giving you a sub-3 ERA. Matt Weisler, right around at 230. I don't think that J.P. Fireisen has given up an earned run all season 
season long. So these guys have been highly reliable for this team. You wound up having Jalen Beeks give the team a nice open yesterday. So they were able to get good length out of that one-two punch as well. So I do take a look at the Tampa Bay race. Things, in my opinion, are setting up really well for them. And for the Baltimore Orioles, what I will say about Bradish and this bullpen is that they've been a little bit surprising. Bradish wound up having 11 punch shots in seven innings and a win against the St. Louis Cardinals a few weeks ago. Overall this season, he has been having himself right around a 5-ish ERA, giving up four home runs to 21 and a third innings and new dimensions at Camden Yards. you got to figure are going to be able to help him out a little bit, but still, you take a look at what you're able to get out of this bullpen. Brian Baker has a north of 4 ERA. Joey Kreeble starting to get figured out. Seeing out Perez, his sub-1 ERA is just not sustainable in my opinion, so I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression there. With regards to this total, I did wind up setting it at a 7.8. The Orioles have been one of the best under teams in baseball. And I do think the British is going to be able to lend a relatively solid start. So looking under and with the Rays, I want the minus 140 money line. If you wind up seeing a minus 150 and you get a plus 120 on the run line, would rather take the run line rather than the money line. But if you have right around a minus 140 available, we'll be taking a look at the money line. Just be able to get that little bit of insurance behind you. 973, 974 on the betting board. You've got the Walker, Texas Rangers in the road face off against the Houston Astros as Justin Verlander is going to be going for the shows and 55 shades of John Gray is on the bump for Texas. Texas is back to being a big underdog anywhere between plus 190 and plus 210. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Astros, you're going to be getting them in between minus 230 and minus 240. 7.5 is your total. The over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105 and when it comes to this spot, I needed at least a plus 225 to be able to take a shot on the Rangers and if you're looking at the run line, you're finding the Astros anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 125. So if you wind up seeing this, get up to a minus 130, minus 135 in the AM, then the value is passing you by a little bit, but I do think that the Astros should be able to come in. I do think that they should be able to wreck some shop. You take a look at Justin Verlander, and he has just been absolutely amazing for the team all season long. 5-1 record, buck 38 ERA. Has given up a couple home runs, four home runs over the course of 45 and a third innings, but I mean, his hips per nine rate is right around a four and a half. Not getting as many strikeouts as he did at his peak, but 1.8 walks per nine innings, and for John Gray, he is giving up right around 3.3 walks per nine innings, and he's been giving up nearly nine hits per nine innings. He just has never been the same pitcher away from Coors Field as he has been at home. You even take a look last season away from Coors Field. He wound up posting up an ERA of 522, giving up nine home runs and 78 two-thirds innings with opponents hitting at 285 off of him. So that's not necessarily terrific. Now, you do take a look at the Texas Rangers bullpen, and you do have a couple guys that are able to trust him. Brock Burke as a sub-two ERA. Joe Barlow has been able to come in, has been able to hold down the fort. Matt Moore is going to see regression with his ERA, but he and John King, sub-275. ERAs. And for the Astros, this has been one of the better bullpens out there in baseball. You've gotten some very good innings with Ryan Presley out full from guys like Rafael Montero. Hector Neris has not been a complete disaster for the team, which is terrific. You've had Ryan Stanek have a sub-2 ERA as well, but we all know what the specialty of the Houston Astros is. Banging trash cans. I'm kidding, of course. Rather, being able to hit the ball as Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, both of these guys sitting north of a 275. Jeremy Pena is right in that fold as well. They Took a little bit of a shot on Mauricio Dubon, and I think that this is one that's going to be able to pay off for them. Kyle Tucker's now hitting at 250 for the team. Yuli Gurriel, after a really rough start last two, three weeks or so, he has been able to pick it up very nicely as you take a look at him going into yesterday. Last seven days, he had a 440 on base, so that's been massive with three home runs in that time span. And for the Texas Rangers, you've just got nothing whatsoever out of Marcus Simeon. I mean, this is someone that going into what we wound up seeing on Friday had as many home runs as myself with about a buck 70 batting average. 
That's just ghastly bad. And then Brad Miller, along with Adelise Garcia, you're able to throw in there both of the Calhouns, Willie and Cole Calhoun, Eli White, Mitch Garver, all these guys. Aside from really Cole Calhoun, hitting at 220 or lower, that has not been too terrific for those teams. So I do have a lot more faith here in the Houston Astros rather than what we've got with regards to the Texas Rangers. I'm going to be willing to lay the run line as long as we have a minus 125 or better with regards to the Houston Astros. And when it comes to the total, I did wind up setting it at a 7.8 because I do think that you're going to have another classic Justin Verlander start. But that said, John Gray has never been good away from Coors Field in his career. So this is a spot at which I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on the Astros run line and with a 7.5 or less, going to be willing to take a look at an over as we move on to 975-976 on the betting board. You've got yourself the Minnesota Twins and they are going to be in the road face-off against the Kansas City Royals. Brad Keller is going to be going for the Royals and you've got on the bump for the Minnesota Twins Mr. Joe Ryan and Mr. Ryan is finding themselves a little bit of a favorite in this spot. You're finding the Twins in between minus 135 and minus 145. Meanwhile, with Kansas City you're going to be getting them anywhere between plus 115 and plus 135 with 8 being your total over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 and when it comes to Royals needed at least a plus 137 to be able to take a shot here so with the Minnesota Twins the minus 135 to minus 137 that I'm seeing that's the max I'm willing to lay but I'm willing to lay that right around minus 135 to minus 137 because Joe Ryan has been utterly dominant for this team 239 ERA swing and miss stuff is pretty solid right around a strikeout per running 36 punch outs 37 and two thirds innings, but just has been very hard to hit. You take a look at what opponents have been able to do against them this year. Opponents battering average of a buck 79 and on the road. Three starts, 162 ERA, giving up one home run and two walks in 16 and two thirds innings. Yeah, it's been terrific. And then you take a look at Brad Keller and throughout his career, he's been able to do a good job of being able to hold it down at home. Buck 71 ERA and four starts thus far this season. Always does a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard in Kansas City. And for the Minnesota Twins, it is always a case in which the health of Byron Buxton just absolutely paramount for the team because he has already missed a double-digit amount of games this season. Wound up being in the fold yesterday. You got to figure that that's going to be the case once again today. And they also wound up getting Carlos Correa back in the fold, who's been able to give you right around a 345 on base for Buxton, by the way. 11 home runs in, I believe, 25 or 26 games. So that's how impactful he is. Then you take a look at Ode Polanco, Gary Sanchez, Gio Rochelle, all these guys in between about a 230 to a 240. They've been solid. Trevor Larnish being on the fold, that does wind up hurting them a little bit. But what's hurting the Kansas City Royals right now is that they just don't have a lot of hitting in general. You've been able to have Hunter Dozier be able to give you 285 batting average and Andrew Benatendi 311 batting average. But I mean, with that said, everyone outside of these two guys that wound up getting in a bat yesterday hitting at 235 or worse, and you just don't have any hard contact with this team whatsoever. Salvador Perez is right now leading the way with six home runs. He's now on the injured list, so MJ Melendez is getting at bats. And right now, with the Royals going to Friday, 25 home runs in 37 games. It's not too terrific, and that is paired with a bottom five bullpen out there in the big weeks. You've been able to get some relatively solid production out of Scott Barlow thus far this year and Joel Payamps. It's someone that's able to do a solid job as a long reliever, but Mir Garrett, I didn't believe, was a good starting to start with. He's had a little bit of an up and down. Josh Shamount has not necessarily been what you'd like him to be for the team from the Minnesota Twins. They've actually had one of the best bullpens out there in the big leagues. Danny Columbia has been a little bit banged up, but they've been able to
get good innings out of him whenever he's been out there. Yohan Duran has a sub-3 ERA. Ty Duffy, after a rough start to the season, he's been able to pick it up. Joe Smith entering into Friday. Not a single run allowed all season long, so up to a minus 137. Could it be one to lay it with the Minnesota Twins with the way that the Twins have been pitching and the way that we've been getting no offense whatsoever the Royals? I did wind up saying my total is 6.7 as well, and this is a relatively pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in Kansas City as well. So looking under and looking Twins. 977, 978 on the main board. The Oakland A's hit the road faceoff against the LA Angels. Michael Lorenzen is going to be gone for the Angels, and one Frankie Montas is going to be gone for Oakland. Oakland is finding themselves as an underdog. Any team plus 125 and plus 148. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Angels, Angels. It's anywhere between minus 145 and minus 155 with your total 7.5 under minus 115. And the over is minus 105 when it comes to the spot. Needed at least a plus 163 to be able to take a shot here on the ace. So now it becomes, do you mind going with the money line or the run line right now with that Angels run line? Finding it right around about a plus 135-ish. And this is the sort of situation which I would much rather just take the money line, play it safe here with that regard. Because with the Angels, I do think that they're probably going to be in a relatively tight game here with the Oakland A's. But with the A's, I just have no faith whatsoever in them being able to bust out with the bats. Frankie Montas has actually been very solid this year for the Oakland A's. Don't let that 2-4 record fool you. He's been able to give up right in the neighborhood about 1.1 home runs per nine innings, two and a half walks per nine, strikeouts per nine rate is right around 10-ish. He's probably been a little bit more unlucky than his 367 ERA would indicate. And in his last start against the Angels, he wanted giving up two runs over the course of six innings. Just been a case in which for Montas in his last five starts, the team has backed him up with zero or one runs. I mean, that is a big giant issue right there because you take a look at the Oakland A's and what they wound up trotting out there on Friday and you did not wind up having a single player with more than 25 at-bats hitting above a 275, and you had one guy that was sitting above a 232. That would be Sheldon Noisy because he wanted coming back in the fold without him because he had been banged up in recent games. They wouldn't have had a single guy with north of 30 at-bats hitting above a 235. I mean, that's just a big, giant issue. And then for the Angels, guys not named Trotton and Otani have been able to step up for the scene. Taylor Ward, nearly a 500 on base with nine home runs entering into Friday. You've had Gerald Walsh, eight home runs, 250 batting average to be able to come through. Brandon Marsh is hitting at 280 for the scene. Now, guys like Andrew Velasquez, the catcher spot in general, it's been a little bit touch and go, but Luis Ren- Nifo. He's been with above uh, 300 for the team as well. Mike Trout, 11 bombs, 320 batting average entering into Friday. Shoei Otani, he's gotten three home runs in the last seven days. He's been able to pick it up as well. For the Angels, bullpen is a little bit of an issue. Aaron Lupus up to ERA. Ryan Tepera has been a little bit shaky, but was solid last season. Then Rossi Iglesias, one of the best closers out there in the big leagues, but guys like Mike Myers, Oliver Ortega are not necessarily too trustworthy, but do take a look at the Oakland A's. And part of the reason why I do like the money line rather than the run line is that this has actually been a top seven bullpen in terms of ERA. AJ Puck as a 0.55 VRA is sort of a multi-inning guy this season. Danny Jimenez, he's posting up a 0.59 ERA. You've had Zach Jackson do a relatively solid job. His ERA is right around 12. So compared to the other guys, I mean, he's been doing a really bad job. Lou Trevino, you don't really want to have too much faith in, but Adam Cleric has been able to do a solid job as well. And then you take a look at Michael Lorenzen. He's been a little bit shaky this year. I'd argue that he's gotten a little bit lucky. 4-2 record, 3.57 ERA. Someone who has been giving up right around three walks per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate, you're going to be finding it sub seven, but has been able to do a nice job of being able to hold down the Ford in general. Has given up just two home runs over the course of his last four starts. And going up against Oakland, I think is going to be beneficial for him. I did wind up saying this total at a 7.2. I do think that we're going to get a relatively low scoring game. So this is a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at this total under. And when it comes to the Angels, even though it is a little bit more chalky, I think that this could be a one run game, especially with them being at home. Would rather take the money line in the spot rather than the run line. 
to go along with the under. And we wrap things up with 979, 980 on the bank board. The Cincinnati Reds, we are on to Cincinnati. They're under the road to face off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Alec Manoa is going to be going for the Jays, and Hunter Green is going to be on the bump for Cincinnati. Total is 8 over and under, both at minus 110 with Manoa and company. Find them any routine, minus 225 and minus 240. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Cincinnati, going to be getting them any routine, plus 185 and plus 216. And I needed at least a 236 to be able to take a shot here on the Reds. This is a case in which I just can't do it. And when it comes to the run line, right now you're finding the Blue Jays run line anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 130, set it at a minus 132. Just a case in which Hunter Green, I think, actually has a lot of upside. I think that in a few years, he's going to be absolutely terrific, able to throw triple digits. But right now, he's just throwing it right over the plate. And if anyone even breathes on the ball, it winds up going yard. 11 home runs to go up in 33 and a third innings. And command is out there. So he either throws it right down the middle or else he winds up giving you a walk. 20 walks in 33 and a third innings. 621 ERA, 1 and 6 record. He's just not ready for the big leagues yet, but the Reds have been forced to throw him out there. Meanwhile, with Manoa, Manoa, what this guy has been amazing. How about a record of 4 and 1 with a buck 71 ERA? He has given up just 8 earned runs in 42 innings. And you take a look at the starts that he's made in only Toronto because he wanted to make a couple starts out there last season in Buffalo when they wound up having the switchover. He's got a career ERA that is sub 2 in Toronto, so he's been able to do a great job there. And you just take a look at what you're able to get with regards to this Toronto Blue Jays lineup. And it certainly has been one that has been scuffling a little bit this season going into Friday. They had scored 3 runs or fewer in five out of their last seven games, but you got to feel like these guys are going to be able to bust out. George Springer along with Lager or Junior, seven home runs both in between a 270 and 280. I think that the batting average is relatively online. I think that both of these guys are going to be able to pick it up with hard contact. Matt Chapman, Tasker Hernandez, both in below the Mendoza line is a little bit tough. Chapman is not necessarily out there for his bat. Tasker Hernandez, he certainly is. I think that there's going to be a little bit of a rebound there. Bo Bichette, after a rough start to the season, he's going to be able to pick it up a little bit. And for the Reds, entering into what we wound up seeing on Friday, they had played 16 out of their last 21 games to the over, and this is a team that they give up a lot of runs out of the bullpen, second-worst bullpen ERA with guys like Tony Santee and Hunter Strickland and company. Not necessarily great now, I will say Alexis Diaz, so one ERA. He has been terrific, but past that, not a lot of bright spots aside from Jeff Hoffman, but what you do have bright spots with is someone like a Tyler Stevenson, who has been able to hit well above a 300, has a little bit of pop in the bat. Matt Reynolds has been able to hit 260, along Taylor and Aquin. Got a couple guys like a Joey Votto who's now back at fold. It's been a really rough year for him, along with someone like a Tyler Friedel. But and you actually have a lineup with Mike Busakis back and it's halfway decent. Now they have called up Taylor Motter as well. And Taylor Motter, I just still cannot forget the year that he wound up hitting like a buck fifty out there in the KBO and wound up getting released because he was so bad from a Korean baseball team. But so with that said, I do think that we are gonna be able to see the Blue Jays really be able to tag Hunter Green and company. And I think that the Reds put up a couple runs themselves. I did wind up saying this total at an 8.8. I'm looking over, but with the Blue Jays, even though they're at home, I think that they just completely pummel Hunter Green going into what we wound up seeing on Friday out of the last 21 losses for the Reds. 18 of them have been my multiple runs, so it's a spot in which I am willing to lay the run and half year with the Blue Jays, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over, and that will wrap things up for the Saturday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts. A big thanks to Alex Carr over there at Phillies SI, aka Inside the Phillies, for joining me in the last segment. If you do like 
Preparing from this fine podcast, baseball betting show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you've got one or two ways to be able to throw those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline and the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. And that means I'm coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.